Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer, to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 23rd of May. Hope you're all well. Hope you're all having yourself a nice week. Uh, We had one game in the Premier League last night. Um, A a game, I suppose, is a bit of a stretch here, but Newcastle nil, Leicester City nil. 
at St. James's Park means Newcastle are guaranteed a top four finish. They will finish at least fourth, possibly third, depending on how Manchester United do. United have two games left and are a point behind. They have home games to come against Chelsea and Fulham. The Toon travel to Chelsea on Sunday for their final game. But Newcastle won't care if they're third or fourth. They have completed their goal. They have reached the Champions League for the first time in 20-something years. And they'll be delighted. Um, Leicester take a point. It's a point that keeps them in with a chance of staying up at the weekend. It now means that if if Everton lose and Leicester win and Leeds win, Leicester would be the team to stay up. Obviously, Everton stay up with a win. That's fine. But if Everton draw and Leicester win, then Leicester also stay up. So Leeds are banking on both Everton and Leicester. Everton to lose, Leicester to draw or lose. So it's bad for Leeds. But Leicester last night was just it was a horribly negative approach to a game. And I, I guess they thought they might be able to nick a goal somewhere along the way, but they had one shot. It came in stoppage time. It's it's an awful way to play football. But look, if it keeps them up in the end, they won't care. It's three points from their last five games, three draws. It's not enough. They they needed a couple of wins or at least a win. And we go into the final day with those three teams all on edge. But the thing for me is Leicester have lost 22 games this season. 22 games. They've conceded 67 goals. Only Southampton and Bournemouth have conceded more. And they haven't looked like a team that really wanted to stay in the division in multiple games. There's been no fight, no desire, no real urgency about them. So if Leicester go down, they only have themselves to blame. But I think that is true of the others as well. Leeds, they've made a mess of their season. The Javi Gracia appointment was a poor decision. The Big Sam one hasn't really worked. Everton, I mean, sticking with Frank Lampard as long as they did was just poor. But then Dyche hasn't done particularly well either since taking over. So, you know, you can't really just give him a free pass. He took over with a good chunk of the season remaining. It's not like he took over with five games to go. Um, he became Everton manager on the twentieth, sorry, the thirtieth of January. He said seventeen games, only four wins, six draws, seven defeats. Now, look, that's that's eighteen points um, that Dyche has taken, and when you factor in that Everton have thirty three, you know he's he's definitely done a better job than than Lampard, but still he had long enough to get them out of it. If, if Forrest and Bournemouth could crawl their way out of it, Everton with more talent than either should have been able to do it as well. Uh, we'll go through Gareth Crook's team of the week for a bit of a laugh. Uh, so he picked David Rea. I think that's actually fair. He had a good game. He made a couple of big saves, but obviously he'll have watched that game because Spurs are playing and he's a Spurs fan. Uh, he's picked Kieran Trippier, which is just a bizarre pick. Kieran Trippier had nothing to do yesterday and wasn't particularly good on the ball. Uh, he picked Yerry Mina because he scored. 
he picked Victor Lindelof because United kept a clean sheet and he picked Rico Henry because he cleared one off the line. Uh, Jared Bowen because he scored. Gibbs White, fair enough. Casemiro scored. Uh, Matoma was outstanding for Brighton. Uh, and Bomo scored twice and Mitrovic scored twice. So, you know, you can tell where Gareth gets his teams from. Um, he compared somebody to Glenn Hoddle. Now, I want to see who it is. When I saw Casemiro take a look over his shoulder in the middle of the park against Bournemouth before the ball arrived at his feet, it reminded me of Glenn Hoddle when he was in his prime. Kevin De Bruyne also has the ability to look over his shoulder as the ball is travelling towards him. Literally every top-end midfielder does this. Literally every top-end midfielder. Glenn Hoddle is or was obviously an outstanding footballer, but he wasn't the only one who did that then. But now everybody does it. Uh, he does say he thinks Matoma would cost at least 70 million. So I do think that's fairly accurate. But this team is, as ever, a nonsense. And speaking of nonsense, Gary, uh, Gary Neville put up his um, Premier League team of the year and as ever, it's utter nonsense. So let's have a quick look at what he put up. Um, he went with Nick Pope in goal. I mean, Nick Pope's had a good season. There's no question, but Alison Becker's easily been the best goalkeeper in England. He picked Trippier. No problem there. He picked Ruben Diaz. I don't really mind that, though. I would point to the minutes as maybe the one thing you could knock him as. He picked a stupid in at left back, and I actually don't mind that because he's had a great season. But for me, like Nate Mackey has clearly been the best left back in the league. And he picked Saliba. No Botman. Botman's been the best centre back in the league, and he picked Saliba, who was Arsenal's second best. In midfield, he went with Odegaard. No problem. He's been great. Rodri, he's been excellent since February. Before that, He was quite hit and miss. When City were hit and miss, he was hit and miss. He just hasn't been better than Gamerish this season. And he's picked De Bruyne. And again, I don't mind the pick. I just, again, like with Rodri, I don't think he's been at his best this season. He's come alive into the title race. And he's been outstanding for the last few months. But the season started in August. And I just don't think De Bruyne is the one. Um, in attack, he went Saka. He was great through 29 games. But when this, the crunch time came, he just wasn't there for Arsenal. Haaland, I mean, no problem. Martinelli, I'm not having at all. I think Martinelli's actually just a flat-out poor pick. Rashford was better. Salah was better. Harry Kane was better. Ivan Tony was better. Now, I know if he's trying to pick two wingers, that's fair enough, but then Salah or Rashford would need to be in, not Martinelli. Um, as ever, Gary Neville, just he watches the games he works on, and that's about the height of it because he's too busy watching Salford lose. Uh, speaking of Salford, we'll get to them in a second. Um, Barnsley beat Bolton 1-0 in the second leg of their League One semi-final play, a uh, playoff semi-final. 
and they earned the place next to Sheffield Wednesday in the playoff finals. That game is on Monday of next week, a 3 p.m. kickoff, Barnsley versus Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday. Should be a good one. Should be a good one. On Sunday, there will be the League Two playoff final, a 1.30 kickoff. It will be Stockport against Carlisle. So, Salford went into the Stockport second leg, one up. Stockport beat them 2-1. The game went to penalties and Stockport won 3-1. So no promotion this year for the financially doped Salford City. And in the other leg, Carlisle, or the other semi-final rather, Carlisle overcame a 1-0 deficit from the first leg to win 3-1 and make their way to the final. So Carlisle versus Stockport. They finished fourth and fifth, so they were the two best teams outside of the automatically promoted teams, and they have earned the right to play in this final. Uh, in League One, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday finished third and had a tremendous season, and in many other seasons would have been promoted, and Barnsley did finish fourth. So again, it is the right two teams. It is the two teams that were the best through the, the full season, getting the spot in the playoffs, or the playoff final, rather. Obviously, in the championship, we're getting Luton against Coventry. Luton finished third. Coventry finished fifth. So Middlesbrough were the only team to kind of let themselves down and and lose as the favourites going into one of those playoff semis. Um, Luton versus Coventry is going to be fun, though. That game is Saturday, uh, quarter to five kickoff. Uh, Let's go around Europe then. So in... Syria, Sassuolo 1, Monza 2, Cremonese 1, Bologna 5, Atalanta 3, Verona 1, Milan 5, Sampdoria 1, Lecce 0, Spezia 0, Torino 1, Fiorentina 1, Napoli 3, Inter 1, Udinese 0, Lazio 1, Roma, Roma 2, Salonatana 2, really disappointing result for Roma, and then Empoli 4, Juve 1. So Juve had a, an absolute shocker of a day yesterday. The final decision came down on their punishment for their financial irregularities, and they were docked 10 points. So before the game kicked off, they dropped from 2nd to 7th. Now, had they won the game yesterday, they would have moved up to 5th. They would have been two points behind AC Milan for fourth place. Both sides with two games to go and Juve facing Milan at the weekend in what probably would have been a winner-takes-all match because Juve's last game is Udinese. That's a game they'll most likely win or, or would win. And Milan's is against Verona. So again, they, they'll likely win that game. But Juve just, just soiled themselves and got whooped last night. 4-1 to Empoli, who are 14th, um, is really unacceptable. And actually, I think Empoli went into the game in... Oh, they went in in 14 because Salantana got a point as well. So we know Napoli are champions. They're 18 points clear with two games to go. Lazio second, Inter third, Milan fourth, Atalanta fifth, Roma sixth. It looks like it will be Atalanta 
or Milan for that final spot. Atalanta would need to win both games, hope that Milan lose to Juve. Uh, Atalanta's last two away to Inter, which will be tough. And then Monza at home in the final one. Uh, Roma sixth. They haven't won in five games and they've just sort of given up on finishing in the top four. Then Juve, then Monza. And what a turnaround because they looked early in the season like they could potentially be relegation fodder. But instead, they're eighth. Then you get Bologna, Torino, Fiorentina, Udinese, Sassuolo, Empoli, Salernitana, Lecce, Spezia, Verona, Cremonese, and Sampdoria. So um, Cremonese and Samp are down. It's now Verona, Spezia, or Lecce for that final relegation spot. In La Liga, sorry, yeah, La Liga, Cadiz 2, Valladolid 0, Girona 1, Villarreal 2, Athletic Club 2, Celta Vigo 1, Hitafe 1, Elche 1, Almeria 3, Mallorca 0, Barcelona already crowned champions, uh, nothing riding on the game 1, Real Sociedad 2, Rayo Vallecano 1, Espanyol 2, Atletico Madrid 3, Osasuna 0, Sevilla 0, Real Betis 0, and then Valencia won Real Madrid nil um, in a game that has far greater meaning than what took place in terms of on the pitch. And by that, I mean what took place in the stands. The racial abuse towards Vinicius was absolutely disgusting. Um, I don't really know how to describe what took place, but basically the whole the whole stadium at one point seemed to be chanting a racial slur at him. Uh, we've had Spanish journalists come out and try and defend it and say they weren't being racist, but they clearly were. We've had the president of La Liga come out and say that Vinicius, if he thinks he's been racially abused, should turn up to meetings. We've had Vinicius all over social media highlighting what's happened to him with video evidence and, you know, well thought out posts. And it's just a circus at the moment. And I feel horribly for Vinicius because he's an incredible footballer and doesn't deserve to be subjected to this. But this is basically every time Real Madrid play away from home, he has been targeted by uh, racist groups. And just today there's been seven people arrested in Spain for hanging effigies of him and burning things and doing all sorts of stupidity. Uh, Three people have been arrested for the racial chanting in the stadium, but it probably would have been easier to find three people who weren't chanting racist things at the player. Uh, Vinny was sent off in this game in the 97th minute, but it was just because his head had gone. He told Ancelotti during the game, I don't want to play anymore. I want to come off. He kept playing. I don't know why any black player, including Spanish-born black players, would want to play in Spain. I really don't. Not at this point in time. It's an absolute disgrace, and the league are doing nothing to protect those players. And if you're, you know, a young black man like Jude Bellingham, I don't really don't know why you'd want to subject yourself to this. You know, because it's not just Vinny, it's it's others as well. It's too many, it's Camavinga, they've all had it. And you will just be next. Simple as that. 
it's an absolute disgrace. And Javier Tabas or whatever the fuck his name is, he is he is a full blown arsehole. He is a full blown arsehole. And La Liga can come out and make all the stupid excuses that they want and say that, oh, we just need more power to do this and that. No, you don't. You don't need any more power. You have enough power. Fix this problem. Start making these clubs play behind closed doors if you need to. Have every fan's face scanned as they walk in and put that picture into some sort of AI technology that can pick them out of a crowd if you need to scan in to see where the the chanting's coming from and you can see who it's coming from. You have the picture, you have the name and put them out of the stadium for life. It's an absolute disgrace. It really is. And I think there's going to be a reckoning coming in La Liga soon. Uh, As for the table, which seems fairly inconsequential in comparison, uh, Barca are champions. Uh, There's three games to go in La Liga. Atletico Madrid are second. Real Madrid are third, a point behind. Then six points back is Real Sociedad. And they will almost certainly be the, the Champions League teams for next year. Then it's Villarreal, Real Betis, Athletic Club de Bilbao, Girona, Sevilla. What a turnaround for them. Ninth, having been in the relegation zone for much of the season. Um, Osasuna, Rayo Vallecano, Mallorca, Valencia. They've managed to pull themselves safe. Almeria, Celta Vigo, Cadiz, Hitafe, Valladolid, Espanyol and Elche. Elche are gone and it basically comes down to Espanyol, Valladolid, Hitafe and probably Cadiz as well for the last relegation spot, but Cadiz probably stay up. Uh, into France we go then. Uh, Lens 2, Reims 1. Strasbourg 2, Nice 0. Paris Saint-Germain 5, Ejeko 0. Clermont Foot 2, Lyon 1. Rennes 4, Troyes 0. Montpellier 1, Laurent 1. Brest nil, Auxerre nil. Sorry, Brest one, Auxerre nil. Toulouse nil, Nantes nil. Monaco nil, Lille nil, and Marseille three, Angers one. Uh, PSG top six points clear. The title's wrapped up. They've got a plus sixteen goal difference as well. Um, and there are obviously two games left, but the title is is done for all intents and purposes. But what a season for Lens to finish in second place. Uh, Marseille third, Monaco fourth. Only three Champions League spots. Uh, so Monaco will be um, Europa League. Lille, Rennes, Lyon, Clermont, Nice, Laurent, who fell off a cliff in the second half of the season, uh, largely because they sold two of their best players. Uh, Reims, Montpellier, Toulouse, Brest, Strasbourg, Auxerre, Nantes, Troyes, Ajeco, and Angiers. So four teams to go down this year. Troys are gone, Ajeco gone, Angers are gone, and it will likely be either, or it will be either Auxerre or Nantes going down as the fourth and final team. Not really sure who I'd prefer to see go down. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Auxerre after the Giroux uh, era, but I like some of the players in Nantes. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Bundesliga, things got very, very interesting in the Bundesliga over the weekend. Freiburg 2, Wolfsburg 0, Hoffenheim 4, Union Berlin 2, Werder Bremen 1, Cologne 1, Schalke 2, Eintracht Frankfurt 2, Hertha Berlin 1, 
Bochum one, Mainz one, Stuttgart four, Leverkusen two, Borussia Mönchengladbach two, and then the big two that mattered: Bayern Munich one, RB Leipzig three, and Augsburg nil, Borussia Dortmund three. Which means going into the final game of the season, which takes place this coming weekend, Dortmund are top, two points clear of Bayern. Dortmund play Mines in the final game of the season. Now, there's obviously a, a good connection between those clubs. There's Klopp and Thomas Tuchel both joined. So there is a, a nice little storyline there that the club of Klopp that he was responsible for rebuilding could win the title being the club where he made his name. Um, win and you're the champions. Simple as that for, for Dortmund. Win and you're champions. And Bayern need Dortmund to lose or, or draw, to be fair, lose or draw, and they need to win. Now, their final game is away to Cologne, so not likely they should win that one. But this is Dortmund's title to lose now. They have to win the game. They have to win the game. Uh, Leipzig third, Union Berlin fourth, Freiburg fifth, level on points now with Berlin. Uh, Freiburg go away to Eintracht Frankfurt in the final game. Union Berlin will play at home to Werder Bremen. So Union Berlin probably will get in on goal difference. Um, Leverkusen in sixth, their season has taken a bit of a dip. No wins in the last four. Then Wolfsburg, Eintracht, Mainz, Cologne, Gladbach, Werder Bremen, Hoffenheim, who've pulled themselves to safety. Augsburg, Stuttgart, making a late burst for safety. Bochum, Schalke and Hertha Berlin. Two go down, one go into the playoffs. Um, Hertha are relegated. Schalke, they play Leipzig away. You wouldn't fancy their chances of getting much in that one. Bochum are home to Leverkusen. Again, it's not one you'd expect them to win, but with Leverkusen in poor form, perhaps. And Stuttgart will play home to Hoffenheim. So I think Stuttgart are going to be okay. I think Bochum probably end up in the relegation playoff and Schalke go down, which is a shame for them because it was quite the effort last season to get back up. Uh, we'll finish in Portugal. Maritimo 1, Vesila 0. Aroca 1, Chavez 0. Santa Clara 1, Porto Menens 0. Boa Vista 1, Braga 1. Familiqueau 2, Porto 4. Vitoria 1, Gil Vicente 0. Casapia 2, Estoril Pereira 2. Pacos Ferreira 3, Rio Ave 1. And then Sporting 2, Benfica 2 in the Lisbon Derby. Last-minute goal by João Neves getting Benfica a draw there. We go to the final day of the season. This weekend, Benfica are two points clear. They play at home to bottom club Santa Clara, who've already been relegated. Porto can still obviously win the title. They have Vitoria at home. Vitoria finished... Vitoria currently in fifth, so much tougher game for Porto, but you'd expect Benfica to see it out. A draw will be enough for Benfica to secure the title. Even if Porto win, Benfica will have the superior goal difference. So, 
Benfica almost certainly champions there. Porto second, Braga third, Sporting fourth. That'll be the top four. Be no movement there. Uh, Vitoria, Aroco, Chavez, Familiar, Casapia, Boa Vista, Vicia, uh, Vicella, Rio Ave, Porto Menens, Gil Vicente, Estoril Perea, Maritimo, Pacas Ferreira, and Santa Clara. And that will see it out. Maritimo, Pacas Ferreira, and Santa Clara at the bottom three. Uh, I, I think it's two go down and one goes into a playoff, something like that. Um, yeah, there's where we stand across the major European leagues. We'll take a break. When we come down, when we come back, we might have a quick look at news now, see what's going on. We've got some Everton news and we've got some gossip and we'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, Bakayo Saka has signed a new contract with Arsenal. Five-year deal. Big, big wage increase, but well-deserved. An incredible player. And Arsenal have done very well to keep him. Uh, Henry Winter has said that West Ham should keep David Moyes regardless of whether he wins the cup final or not. Uh, Personally, I think that's nonsense. I think he should go regardless. Manchester United manager asks about La Liga midfielder, says last word on sports. Uh, let's have a gander and see who this is, if it ever will load. Uh, Canyon Lee, formerly of Valencia, now at Mallorca. Very talented player, but probably a questionable, a questionable um, mindset. Eddie Howe rubbishes Newcastle spending myth ahead of toughest transfer window yet. Eddie Howe insists Newcastle don't have the ability to spend significantly this summer, despite qualifying for the Champions League. I believe this is to do with the Premier League's FFP rules, um, largely because they've spent so heavily since Eddie Howe took over. So... They're up against the the wall for FFP. Um, If we take a look at how Newcastle have spent uh, since how it took over, it is, it's sizable spending. Like there's just no way around it. People will say, oh, they haven't spent the huge money yet, but they have. They have spent big money. It's as simple as that. Uh, He took over in what November of 2021, going into... Last January's transfer window, um, there's no doubt that they were desperate for players and they bought Kieran Trippier, Chris Wood, Bruno Gamirez and Dan Byrne. That came to £90 in a January. They also got Matt Target in on loan uh, and paid a loan fee on him. Then we move forward to this season. And in the summer, they made the target deal permanent. They bought Nick Pope. They bought Sven Botman. They bought Alexander Isak. And then they went in January and bought Harrison Ashby from West Ham and Anthony Gordon from Everton. 
So you're looking again at 25, 60, 123, 126, 171 million. So you're looking at, you know, 260 odd million of spending since Eddie Howe took over and not a whole lot in the way of outgoings. I'd say they maybe brought in 5 million in transfer fees last summer, if even. And the January window under how they didn't bring in anybody. Or they didn't bring in any money. They didn't sell anybody of, of note. So, you know, you're talking 260 million of spending in three transfer windows, which is a lot of money. And that probably does put them up against the um, the FFP wall. Erling Haaland might not score as many goals next season. Teams will work him out, says Andy Cole. I, I think that's probably a fair fair shout. Um, uh, Carlo Ancelotti dis- destroys racist, racist trope used to justify Vinicius Junior abuse. There is no there is no justification of what's gone on. And Carlo's right to just blow it all up. Uh, Chelsea will go for player this summer. Blues willing to pay up. He's keen on move. Uh, Jules Kunde. I wouldn't imagine he is keen on the move. If he was, he'd be there already. I just don't think there's any chance that Barca would sell him. Um, Pep Guardiola has said that Roberto De Zerbi is one of the most influential managers of the last 20 years. Uh, don't tell the gammon because they think Roberto De Zerbi only started managing when he joined Brighton. And Alberto Solano has said that Declan Rice would be the perfect signing for Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's not a bad shout. I think Rice would fit well there with Kamerish. Um Fulham are ready to fight for the services of Alassane, 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 Alassane Klee, um of Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, he's, he, he's a decent player. He'd be a decent squad player for Fulham next season. Um, Michael Beale has said that the club didn't offer new deals to either Ryan Kent or Alfredo Morales. That is... Rangers, obviously. Um, he says the club are losing a lot of experience. We'll come back to that one. Jeff Felix sends five-word message to Napoli star in subtle Chelsea transfer hint. I don't know what Jeff Felix be sending messages for. He doesn't play for Chelsea after the weekend. Uh, um... Oh, he was praising Kavicha Kvalachgalia. Everybody does that. I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, on to the BBC website. Yeah, Kent, McGregor and Morellas among five to leave Ibrox this summer. Ryan Kent, Alan McGregor, Alfredo Morellas, Scott Arfield and Philippe Hellander will all leave Rangers when their contracts expire this summer. But Stephen Davis who will also be in a contract, remains in discussions with the club about his future. He's continuing to work with Rangers medical staff as he recovers from his ACL injury. Uh, Ryan Jack signed a one-year deal. Um, It's surprising to me that Ryan Kent has been allowed to leave for free, given they paid a lot of money for him. 
Um, Morellas is funny because a couple of years ago, they were quoting Premier League clubs 25 and 30 million to sign him. Um, and now obviously he leaves for nothing. So it doesn't seem like the best use of budget for Rangers to just allow this to happen. Uh, Birmingham City have also released six players, including club captain Troy Deeney, Maxime Collin, Harley Dean, George Friend, Jordan Graham and Kevin Long also leaving the club. Uh, Everton have reached an exclusivity agreement with New York-based company MSP Sports Capital for investment in the club. Sources close to the BBC say the deal is not done, but talks are progressing over funding. MSP look to have jumped ahead of 777 Partners, which had been in talks over a takeover from Farhad Mashiri. The club require funding for the new stadium after costs increased from 500 million to about 760 million. And in their latest accounts, the club posted financial losses for the fifth successive year. Their losses total more than 430 million pounds over that period, much of which is down to just their own dreadful spending. The Toffees are currently two points above the relegation zone with one goal, one game remaining. MSP is believed to be looking for 25% stake with a preferential share structure, not equity in the club, so would be paid back in interest. Uh, 777 has had access to the data rooms and the financial accounts, but has not been prepared to pay a significant price owing to the debt on the club's balance sheet, which currently stands at about 141.7 million. Wow. Um, So MSP... Sports Capital, uh, Jam Najafi, Jeff Murad, they're the two sort of main people behind this group. They currently own the X Games, they own a piece of McLaren Racing, and they own parts of five football clubs, Bronby, SK Beveren, Augsburg, Alcorcon, and Estoril Perea. Now, what's interesting about that particular group of pe- of teams that they own is that David Blitzer, who is a part owner of Crystal Palace, is also an owner of Alcorcon, SK Beveren, and Bronby, and Augsburg. And I believe he's also a part owner of Estoril Perea. So I wonder if we might see Blitzer look to sell his shares in... Oh, he does. He does own part of of Estoril Perea. So he owns a company called Global Football Holdings, and it looks like they're in bed with MSP. And I wonder if he might look to sell his share in Crystal Palace, along with Josh Harris, and buy into Everton. They were linked with buying Liverpool. That didn't work out for them, so instead they took that big ball of money and went and bought the Washington Commanders of the National Football League. And um, it's definitely one that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Definitely one to keep an eye on, because he's already a part owner of the same five clubs that they're part owners of. 
And I wonder if he might want a little piece of Everton as well. Um, We'll do the gossip and we'll be done for today, I suppose. Bayern Munich see Declan Rice as the perfect defensive midfielder for them, but no Arsenal are also trying to sign him. Yeah, Arsenal are pursuing Ilkay Gundogan. There's no chance he'd go there. Absolutely none. If he leaves Man City, it will be to go to Barcelona or back to Germany. Um, although I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Turkey at some point in his career. Just maybe for a year. Manchester United are aiming to complete a deal for Kim Min Jae, who is also wanted by PSG. Kim Min Jae plays as a left-side centre-back, has always played as a left-side centre-back. So him and Martinez is problematic to begin with. Add in the fact that they'd have to play a really deep line and it's just, I just don't know that that's going to work. He's really good, though. Manchester United are in talks to sign Neymar. I don't even know where to start with that one. If Arsenal do not sign Declan Rice, they have lined up Ruben Neves, Martin Zubimendi, and Moises Caicedo as alternatives. I, I just, I think they're going to sign Rice. Uh, I think that is the plan. Zubimendi is probably a better fit for how they play. But I, 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 my expectation is they sign Rice. Uh, Barcelona want to sign Ruben Neves from Wolves this summer, but the move depends on whether Ansu Fati leaves Barcelona. Somebody might get a bargain with Ansu Fati. If Wolves somehow land him in a swap deal, that's an incredible move. Granit Xhaka says his Arsenal future will be decided before the final game of the season. The Gunners are in advanced talks with Bayer Leverkusen over a 13 million move. I don't like that move for Leverkusen. AC Milan have made... <coughs> Baller and Balogun, their top transfer target, after he impressed this season with Reims, but they face competition from RB Leipzig. If the player has the choice, he should go to Milan. Um, him and Raphael Leao would be a lot of fun together, and especially if Charles de Ketelier kicks on in year two. Brazilian forward Vinicius Jr. has no plans to leave Real Madrid. That's according to Carlo Ancelotti, so I don't know how much faith I'd put into it. Because He's not going to come out and say, oh, you know, they're definitely, he definitely wants to leave. Uh, Liverpool are close to agreeing terms with Brighton and Argentina midfielder Alexis McAllister. So says the spoofer with the catchphrase, who's merely cop- copying what's been said by Gaston Adol. Um, The spoofer has no idea what Liverpool are doing. Uh, Liverpool have joined a long list of clubs interested in Mark Guehi. I just don't know if he fits all that well. He's really good, though. Uh, Manchester United are willing to let Anthony Martial leave. I mean, everybody has known for a long time that they've been willing to let Anthony Martial leave. Guy wants to know, should Liverpool swap Luis Diaz and Jordan Henderson for Vinicius and Chiumeni? I think that's a resounding yes. I think Real might have to throw in a few quid, though, because you can't buy leadership like Henderson's on the open market. Uh, Manchester United have been told they must pay $22 million to sign Marcel Sabitzer on a permanent deal this summer. I think that's a good deal, to be honest. Nottingham Forest are keen to keep hold of Kaylor Navas and Renan Lodi. Um, that's according to 90minute.com. But John Percy, who's actually reliable, unlike those spoofers, has said they actually want to keep Dean Henderson and Renan Lodi. Uh, Forest are interested in Monza's 25-year-old Italian goalkeeper, Michele Di Gregorio. De- the Gregorio, I don't know. He's some fella from Monza. He's actually a good keeper, to be fair. Uh, Tottenham face paying Feyenoord more than six million in compensation to make Arnie Slot their new coach and appoint two of his assistants. 
I have to say, I think that would be money well spent. I, I think he's done an outstanding job with Feyenoord and the brand of football is a lot of fun. Now, whether Spurs have the players to play his brand of football, I think there's big question marks over that, but he did a great job with Azad Alkmaar. He's done an incredible job with Feyenoord. I think it would be money well spent if, if Spurs went and did that. Right, that is it. That's me for today, folks. Thanks as always. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.